the framework that I use is a framework around freeing up energy and time. That's the first part, which is free up. The second part is think up. And think up means give us a point of view on what kind of future you want to create. Convince us of that vision. Help us understand why this way and why in this particular fashion. And then we then the third part of that framework is to speak up. Ash Sadiq is a best-selling author, author of three books, Start With a Vision, The Road to Success, and Meaning, his latest. He is an executive communications and leadership communications expert. Along with his dream team of executive coaching experts, they have cracked the executive greatness code and created a system to help you achieve and elevate your career to an all-new level of executive presence and greatness. Ash has worked with executives at companies like Cisco, Oracle, Deloitte Consulting, SAP, Uber, PayPal, Adobe, and Verisign on high-stakes assignments while working with the best executive greatness dream team members in the industry. Here's a quote from Ash. I'm on a mission to help you become the chief excitement officer within your organization, and that starts with the courage to lead. There's an awesome power when a company's mission is embedded in a multitude of hearts and minds. Courage and leadership requires enough energy and passion to push forward so others follow, but that's not always easy because you're often tackling so many pressures. I get jazzed about helping others succeed. I lived in Egypt half of my life before moving to the U.S. I eventually stepped into executive coaching, change consulting, media training, and public speaking. You know, Bill, when you were when you were reading the bio, you were talking about this idea of the courage to lead, and how leaders have so much on their plate. The framework that I use is a three-part framework, which really jumps right into this whole issue that we all have. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough energy. We have so many responsibilities. And especially leaders have so much on their plate. But the other piece is they have so much responsibility for actually leading the organization and their teams to a specific direction. And that specific direction is more about what tomorrow holds than what we're doing today. So one of the big problems most companies have, if they want to go out and hire somebody to help run the accounting function, they will probably get hundreds of applications on LinkedIn. The only problem is if they actually need someone to come in and re-energize and reframe and re-envision how the accounting function happens inside the company, this will be very hard to find because now you're not looking for somebody to come in and run the day-to-day -day business. It's actually somebody that would actually help you think about how can we do things differently, much better, much more efficiently, much more effectively. And finding that person, <laughs> especially if somebody who can come in and give us actually a point of view on how accounting should be done at a much better level and lead that kind of change, we're going to have to look through those hundreds of applications for somebody who can actually come in with a vision. 
So the framework that I use is a framework around freeing up energy and time. That's the first part, which is free up. The second part is think up. And think up means give us a point of view on what kind of future you want to create. Convince us of that vision. Help us understand why this way and why in this particular fashion. And then we then the third part of that framework is to speak up, is to be able to go around the company and actually evangelize the fact that you're going to take the organization from where it is today to a much better state of being. And this is where a lot of companies struggle because they don't have leaders who can see a future that doesn't even exist. And then come back and talk to people about, here's how we're going to re-energize and re-envision how we do accounting or how we do finance or how we do customer experience or how we do product development. And that's the kind of thing that really helps create the organization, not the one that we have today, because that's one we already know. <laughs> we already have a business. We have customers. The business is going on. But the most struggle, the, the, the item that, or the thing that keeps us struggling is, oh my God, what are we going to do tomorrow? What if somebody else comes up with a better product, better service, does it less time at less cost, is really good at doing it with such an amazing customer experience that it will be a no-brainer for our customers to sort of look at us, look at A and B and say, God damn it, B is much better. I'm going to jump yeah. ship, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing that scares companies is, oh, my God, what if somebody else is working something else up that we don't know? And that's where the courage to lead is about not just running today's business, but it's about creating tomorrow's business. You see, nice. and, and the challenge yeah. is the challenge is a lot of leaders will tell you, Bill, I am on calls all day long, back to back. I don't even have enough time just for a bio break. And that's why the framework, the three-part framework about free up, think up, and speak up is, is basically telling these leaders, if you don't free up some of your time, some of your energy, some of your thought process, some of your ability to envision a better future, if you don't actually figure this out, we cannot think anything up. We cannot speak about anything. We cannot change the reality. And that's where a lot of the coaching I do is about helping leaders see the importance of the strategic aspect of the leadership activity that they do, not just about helping companies run today's business, but what it is that we're doing today in order to create the business of the future. I love that. Um, not, not too many people, at least unless they're coached by you, think about tomorrow's business. And I think a lot of companies get lost and they, they, I mean, I've heard it so many, I've worked for a lot of companies and it's, it's the leaders may not say it. And this is the telltale sign. The leaders may not say it this way, but, but the, but the people who, who do the work, the hard work, yeah. what you'll hear them say is, but that's the way we've always done it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but does that work as well as it could? Is there a different way to do it? Can you, can we think about this in a different way? And a lot of people aren't, I don't think they're, I think people are creative, but I think 
I think in many businesses, especially the bigger businesses that have been around for, say, a hundred years, I worked for a company that's been in existence over a hundred years. It's the phone company. Yeah. And they did not understand like how to think outside the box. They didn't mm -hmm. even know what the box was. It was like, we're just here and this is the way we do it. And this yeah. is the way we've always done it. And we didn't really have to compete because we're a regional monopoly. And you know, it's what happens is the leaders who grew up in the company um, don't, and I think the word I'm looking for is empower. Mm. Don't empower their employees to actually think. They empower them kind of to do, do your job. But I think, I think a lot of things that are missing from companies that don't, that no longer innovate are that they haven't taught their, they haven't even either taught or fostered the environment where they where their employees actually think. And I, I I know you can, and I know I can go into a company, look at a process for 15 minutes and go, why do you do it that like that? Yeah. <laughs> and go, what, what if you take out this and this and this and just change that a little bit and now try it? And they're like, oh my God, we can't do that. That's different. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Great point, Bill, because this is why it's essential to your point. Once the leader, he or she, um, himself or herself, understands that they need to lead strategically by freeing up and thinking up and then speaking up, that they would, I love what you said, because they will actually need to do this with their teams. I mean, it has yeah. to rub off. <laughs> and and the, th the thing yeah. that a lot of people don't do yeah. And it's not because necessarily that leadership doesn't want it, but it's that, that, that those under the leadership, you know, um, don't know that they can, or they've been shot down and they don't speak up. Exactly. They don't say, Hey, what about, because there's a lot of legacy thinking in leadership as well. That's right. Yeah. It's like a lot of times they come up through the ranks and they just, that's the way we do it. And you just got to get better at the way we do it, get, get faster, get more efficient. But it's like, what if you remove 17 steps out of a 34 step process and made it half the size and less complex and, and less error prone and couldn't it be better? I mean, seriously, couldn't it be better? But a lot of people won't raise their hand and say, what about, because they're afraid. Or, so, or if the leader to your point, if the leader does not give as permission, because right. Right. Just to your point, when when I'm doing a, a master class on the seven habits of highly effective strategic leaders, we cover this idea of fostering innovation, which to your point means simply it basically means you are actually giving them permission if they have a different idea about how to get something done, that they would actually raise their hand and say, hey, by the way, I think there's a different way. Whereas if your philosophy and the way you're leading and managing them is just do it the same way, don't don't cause any problems, uh, don't try to change things, this is how we've been doing it, highly likely they will actually be afraid to even speak up. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great point. Fostering innovation or fostering the generation of ideas in order to improve 
thinks is part of this idea of not just about running today's business, but creating that future business, creating a much better environment for the employees and everybody else. So yeah, that's a great point. I think they have to be the kind of leader that creates an environment where some of that behavior is going to be encouraged and fostered, and then you'll start to see it happen. Yeah, so um, I was I was reading your, your latest book, um, Meaning, and um, you had like 10 key points in there. I'll just rattle off a few and let's kind of, can we just kind of riff on those? Yeah. Um, so the, one of the, well, the first one was accept the reality that business, business cycles ebb and flow. That's a good thing to talk about right now, because where are we in the economy? We're kind of in a, in that uncertain area. Are things going to go haywire because exactly. of all the actions of the fed and then, and the world global turmoil, or are things going to be like they have been the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so accept the reality that business cycles ebb and flow. Another one is cultivate the habits of listening and learning. We kind of touched on that already. Mm-hmm. And then the last one I want to bring up is, which is your number three is cultivate authentic humility. Do you want to talk about any one or three of those? Yeah. So, so, so the, the humility aspect is what we would actually just been talking about the, the, the idea that as a leader, you see yourself as not the source of everything, not the source of ideas or at least not all ideas. And that as part of that process, you're ev- letting everybody know that you would welcome their ideas. You don't see yourself as the only guru in town. <laughs> and, and, and sharing with them the fact that you are willing to listen. Because I remember when I was working at Charles Schwab in San Francisco, my, one of my first bosses there, the vice, vice president within one of Schwab's um, business units, I remember him taking his notebook and going and meeting with each individual within the team. And I saw him sitting and listening. He wanted to understand how they do their part of the business. And just by making sure that you're the kind of person that's showing the humility of going and understanding uh, how a particular part of the job is done by talking to those frontline employees giving them the time, being willing to sit down and, and, and speak with them. Because if some of the leaders listening to us, they may actually have never had the time to go and speak with some of the individual contributors. They, right. they just basically depend on the fact that they have a supervisor or a manager, and these are the folks that talk to him or her. But if you're the VP or the senior director, director, and you actually make a point of going and talking to as many people in the organization as possible, it shows, number one, that you're actually willing to listen, that you're saying there is a chance that in that conversation, we might be able to uncover a piece of gold as a result of having this one-on-one conversation with an employee who does not even expect you to go talk to them, but you actually go talk to them. And you start the conversation by saying, I'm actually having conversations with a number of people because I think a lot of the people that can have ideas on how we can do things better are those frontline employees, they interact with the customers or whether even if these customers are internal departments, they are also the ones who have that first degree connection 
They oh. deal with them every day. They can see clearly that there are some opportunities for improvement. And if you go to them and say, hey, I know you're, you're, you're on the front lines. What do you see as the top three areas that we could improve? And oh my goodness, they will be more than willing to share with you. You've been there, yeah. I've been there, right? You could clearly yeah. see there are three windows in this house that need to be fixed. If if somebody <laughs> would just ask. Right. <laughs> or let right. them know that it's okay to tell them. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. A lot of people hide the fact that a lot of things are broken. Because they're, and... they're worried. Is it okay for me to share the fact that I see a broken process? Uh, and and it's it's interesting. You know, I've been reading a book from a friend of mine, uh, David Cody. He actually, he actually uh, is the former CEO of Honeywell International. Uh, connect with him on LinkedIn. I've been enjoying the book. One of the key things in the book, he talks about process improvements and, and how in one situation, he brought the product development team and the sales team together. And then once they started talking, one of the guys mentioned something that was essentially causing the sales process to slow down by 20, 25 days. And then he said, oh, you could do this, you could do that. And the other guy said, how come you never told me? And then he immediately <laughs> responded saying, well, you never asked. You never yeah. asked. And, and that's what we want to show in that humility component. We want leaders to actually go around asking and getting curious. A big part of it is to really see ourselves not knowing everything, that there's just so much that exists within the organization that we can find out by just basically going in these listening tours and showing genuine interest to talk to employees, no matter at what level of the organization they are. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to like, it's a stream of conscious consciousness stuff. So, um, back, back when you were my professor, one of my professors in my MBA studies, um, I don't remember, I don't remember who it was that introduced me to the idea of management by walking around. Mm -hmm. I think that was a dimming thing, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, but what, what, what do you, what do you think when somebody like brings up that topic? Because it sounds like, it sounds like something that not enough people do, more people should do it. And if they did it, they'd hear ideas like this. They'd hear about broken processes. Yeah. They'd hear about how the things really work. Not like how they are on paper, but how do people really do their jobs? Without a doubt, I think um, it was Andy Grove at Intel who who essentially talked a lot about uh, uh, managing by by walking around, and it's it's the idea about just remaining curious, uh, being willing being willing to talk to different parts of the business, because what happens, I believe, either when you are in a leadership position, a lot of people in the company start thinking, I cannot even approach him. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the, the, the position authority and the position power, a lot of people think that you've gotten to a point where they should only talk to you if you talk to them. And, and what happens, a lot of these leaders, because I coach some of them, they basically say it gets very lonely up above. You know, a lot of people don't send them emails. A lot of people don't slack them. A lot of people don't say hi when they see them they would try to walk on the other side of the aisle yeah and management by lead, management by walking around if you were that kind of leader you will actually then thaw some of this coldness that exists 
because of how people see and the position that you are in. So as much as you go to Bill and you shake hands with him and you let him know that it's okay to say hello, to reach out, to have to to do some uh, to do some business conversation around. Hey, by the way, I noticed this. I saw this. You ask them a question. You show them. You show interest in their own point of view on how the business is going. Then all of a sudden, it becomes part of the culture, and a lot of other leaders are actually going to see what you're doing, and they're going to feed off what you're doing because now you're showing that it's okay to be a leader and also be very close to the employees. Um, and yeah. I think as much that happens, the chances for uncovering wonderful ideas by way of having these conversations, not by structuring everything on a Zoom or a WebEx or a Teams, but more this sort of organic uh, yeah. conversation to happen would be wonderful, especially now in a hybrid environment. When people come to the office, they're only coming two days a week. You want to leverage that opportunity as best you can. Create some cohesive tissue by talking with them, having celebrations in the office. So you can create more of that dynamic for it to happen organically. Um, and you might even say, hey, you know, by the way, we're going to be at the office on Tuesday. Uh, I'd love to hear from you if something pops up as a result of some of the conversations you're having. I'd love for us to have ideas around how do we make our product better or our customer experience better or even something that we can do for uh, the employees at a, at a better level, because that kind of cooler conversation, sometimes you actually want to intentionally create them. Yeah, yeah, really. that's that's great. And and part of, you know, you, you talk about, you know, kind of that, that three-part framework, and, and part number one is free up. So I got a couple couple questions around that. Sure. So leaders... Um, they need to free up time because they are stretched thin and they're under a lot of pressure. They have a lot of responsibilities, but part of freeing up that time might actually be to build that rapport with their employees, with, you know, with the soldiers, you know, the general has to talk to the soldiers yeah, to yeah. see what the soldiers are thinking. Finality, yeah. Right. Um, but <laughs> One of the things that I think both of us and, and millions of us have experienced is meetings, corporate meetings. Yeah. When I was at the phone company many years ago, yeah. we had, you know, in, a, in an eight to 10 hour day, eight to 10, eight to 10 meetings. <laughs> there was no time to do anything. Yeah. Um, I actually, just a quick anecdote. I, I had many meetings with somebody on another team who brought in one of those big gulp 7-Eleven. It's, it's like the size of a bucket. Okay. And it, it was full of coffee. Oh, like my God. drank coffee all day. And it was oh like, my God. number one, you're going to die. <laughs> my God. But number two, you probably got a really big, strong arm because of oh this. My God. But number three, <laughs> oh, my God, you, you need that to stay awake in some of these meetings. Um And... And I would like to see fewer meetings, yeah. more effective meetings. And if you can get it done with an email or a quick conversation, just drop by their desk if you're, you know, at work. Yeah, do it. Do you do you need a meeting with seventeen people in it to, to discuss one thing that two people could decide? Exactly. So, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? And and what what are the really yeah. like, great leaders do? 
Yeah, like, it's an are, they, ongoing, are they aware of this? Yeah, it's an ongoing struggle. And um, what I ended up doing, again, as a result of either speaking in front of audiences where the key goal is for them to figure out how to lead and manage strategically or coaching leaders who are, to your point, struggling with the amount of time that they need to have versus the amount of time that they have and the number of meetings, of course, that they that they need to attend. And one of the things that we came up with is this idea of having a weekly meeting with self. We call it MTS, meeting with self. And it's about, you know, I love this idea of spring cleaning, where when I, when I, when I, growing up in Egypt, whenever it was time for uh, the feast that happens after Ramadan, I remember my mom that last week of Ramadan, the whole house was in, was, it's almost like a revolution. She was changing everything, right? She was cleaning everything. Um, and she would literally, um, you know, throw everything on the floor so she can force my sisters to clean up with her and get the house in a spick and span uh, yeah. condition for the feast. And similarly, we have to do something similar with our schedule. Because sometimes, to your point, let's say we have these 10 meetings. And for so long, no one wondered, why the hell are we meeting? Why are we having this meeting? Do we still need to have it? Is it something that's really creating value? And, no. and doing that kind of asking and questioning on a regular basis, maybe every 90 days, maybe every 60 days, depending on what your cycle is. But having a weekly meeting with self to do number one, sort of that spring cleaning mindset of looking at the schedule a week, two, three out and asking, you know what, this meeting I could possibly give uh, Bill a couple of pointers and I need, don't need to, to be there because he can take care of it. Or Bill might say, I can share XYZ with Ash and he can cover this for us. So thinking about opportunities where we could strategically delegate, we could strategically beg to step out, we can strategically ask the question, should we actually have this meeting any longer or are we good now? Could we possibly create a document? And now there's so many uh, document collaboration technologies, whether Google Docs or Microsoft or whatever it might be, that you're actually able to then have a collaboration on a piece of knowledge that we're really trying to work through, whether it's a proposal or a business case, whatever it might be, we can actually uh, collaborate without having to meet. And then once we get to a point where there are a couple of points in that document that we need to exchange ideas by speaking through them, or talking through them, absolutely. Maybe it's going to be a 15-minute meeting versus a one-hour or a two-hour working session. So the meeting with self is an opportunity to start to come up with ideas around how do I redesign my time and energy going into the week, going into the month, and then again, coming back to this idea of rubbing off, as much as we think about us doing those things, we need to share the same skills and ideas with our direct reports, because then it, it becomes more of a uh, more, more of a, a system that builds upon the practices that we try to institute. So as a leader, I talk to them about the meeting with self. I give them the tool. I ask them to block time. Maybe it's Monday, maybe it's Friday. I don't care what day, but we need to make sure at least you get one hour where you sit down and you actually think about the business. And that's a strategic conversation. Nice. Uh, I like that. Yeah, like we, that. we will definitely make this tool available for people to download, uh, people who listen to the to the show. Um, it's, it's a tool that will, 
I think it makes a big difference for a lot of people, even if they just ask themselves, should I go to those 10 meetings this coming week? And if you if you can save yourself one hour, even if you just sit down and do nothing, um, and that's a big part of the result of freeing up. If you free up that one hour where you're, you're if people look at you, they think you're, you're doing nothing. But if in that hour you're actually thinking up, you're actually yeah. coming up yeah. with a new way of doing things. Oh, my goodness. It can be a game changer for the business because, as you were saying earlier, if he can see or she can see an opportunity to shift how we're doing something that's taking people 40 hours a week and we actually figured a way to do it in 30 minutes, oh, my God, can you think of the financial impact this can have right. in the business? And that's what's really valuable is having time to think. So when we look at the seven habits, the very first one is taking time to reflect. And a lot of leaders will tell you, oh, my God, just like what you're saying earlier. I had all these meetings today, but you want to ask him or her, has any one of these meetings been on the future business? And if the response is none of them, none of these meetings was on the future business then there's something fundamentally scary, <laughs> right? Yeah, there's yeah, yeah, for sure, scary for sure. About, oh my God, what happens if somebody else out there is planning to eat our lunch and we just don't know? Yeah, and we see it every every generation, right? Like, I mean, I, I think back to the late 90s when, when there were like a bunch of search engines, right? And Yahoo was the number one one. And then yeah. somebody started... Somebody at, at a company I was working at started talking about this Google company. Google, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? You know, that? I think they started in 1999 and it's like, yeah. who, who are they? And then yeah. they ate everybody's lunch. I mean, incredible. And then some, incredible. they ate their lunch, they took their house. They, they, they <laughs> Absolutely. That, and that happens all the time. And it's a great example. It's, it's a great example. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, one of the opportunity costs of not freeing up your time is you don't get to do those other two things, right? You don't get to no. think up and you don't get to speak up. Yeah, um, absolutely. And sometimes I think leaders, you know, we were talking earlier about employees speaking up. Hey, I have an idea or there's a problem here or whatever. But I think sometimes leaders fall into the trap too, where they don't speak up. They don't say, you know, we have a challenge here or we have a competitor here or we have somebody on the horizon here or we have a new technology on the horizon here that could obliterate us. What are we going to do about it? And, and then they get caught with their pants down. And, and the unfortunate thing is they usually don't lose their job. It's the other people. <laughs> um, it's true. It is so true. And, and that, that I'm sure maybe not all, but I'm sure a lot of leaders like, can't sleep at night because they just laid off 10,000 people. I'm sure that happens. Um, and that's got to be hell to go through. So you owe it to yourself and your teammates to speak up and to kind of like get those, those, you know, the being busy is not a virtue. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like the less busy you are, the more you can focus on the, the one or two things that matter. Absolutely. And and that's what's scary sometimes. Sometimes you or I, sometimes if, if one day we don't have a lot that's on the schedule, we are unsettled. And you made a great point. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be more comfortable 
with days where you actually have a couple of free hours <laughs> because yeah. it may not be a bad thing because if in those two hours you get a question on your mind that says, what are we going to do about X, Y, and Z and how do we make it better? Just this is magic. <laughs> yeah. Because then yeah. you say, oh, I need to put together a meeting with Bill and Megan and a few other people. And we need to think through this issue because we haven't really spoken about it for a while. And we seem to be more in just doing it the same way we've been able to do it uh, in the past. And maybe it's worth a conversation. And now we are more talking now about a conversation where something new and hopefully better is going to come out of it. And if we do it, if we co-create together, the likelihood of us supporting it is going to go up because now we are aligned and we have actually created the idea together versus, let's say, the leader by herself or himself in an ivory tower shows up on Monday with something totally new. We have no idea what it is. And then he or she expects us to, to start marching behind him or her. But I think this idea of thinking about, okay, I'm thinking in that direction. Let me bring a coalition. Let me bring a, a group of people together. Would I work with them on co-creating this together? Then all of a sudden they own it together. They co-own it. And the likelihood of them working with me on it to achieve it goes up tremendously. I, I love that word you just used, co-create. There's no better way to get people to buy into an idea than if they all collaborate and they all come up with, you know, a really good solution, system, process, whatever it is, because now you're all, you're all invested, right? Exactly. And, and you will do your darndest not to fail. It, it That's was, an amazing concept. Fun. And no, I, I haven't, I haven't actually heard anybody say co-create before. Yeah. Um, it makes I, a I big difference. Term. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So let, let's switch gears a little bit. Sure. Um, you have a lot of things on your plate, and I know you love to do them all, so we're not talking about you don't need to free up your time. Um, you probably – I think you do a lot of thinking up. That's what I see in, in the work you're doing. You know, you're, you're – you, tell me a few of the things that you got going on. Like uh, I, I see you have a, a master class on Maven. You've written three books. Yeah. Um, you're you're talking one on one, and I and I uh, I suppose you're doing like group sessions at at companies as well. You know, you worked for Cisco for a long time. You worked with a lot of big Fortune 50 companies. What do you? I guess two ways to ask this: What do you do on a daily basis, and what are the, kind of the, the the different programs you have to offer businesses or individuals sure. who want to get better? That's a, that's a great question. So on a, on a daily basis, either I'm helping a team figure out how to lead and manage change on uh, company initiatives. Sometimes it's about thinking about how they can go through that. And, and the idea of co-creation helps reduce resistance. So sometimes that's more of a consulting activity. The one-on-one -on -one coaching activity is helping leaders figure out how they can free up, think up, and speak up. And one of the, the, the key things that I am working on now is taking the concept of chief excitement officers, which is a concept really about once we succeed in, in, in freeing up and thinking up, and we come to the speaking up, when we, are, when we get excited about something that we thought of, and hopefully, as you said, we actually co-created it with some other people, then all of a sudden we have this vision of, oh my God, can you imagine 
when we can accomplish those things and we can take our business to that next stage. And then I start recommending that we use the word what when, not what if. What when we can actually see it happening in front of our eyes. And I usually bring up the example of Yosemite here in California, where people would go to this national park and they would actually see these waterfalls. And let's say the vision that we have is we want to help people see what the future looks like. So I tried to get that example of a waterfall as, as something that will give us a concrete example of just imagine you being able to actually go and stand in front of the waterfall and enjoy that uh, moment. It's very similar to how leaders need to envision a future and not only that, but also feel it. Just like when you and I will feel the uh, waterfall on us. The showers coming down from the waterfall, you can feel them, you can feel it in the air, you can enjoy the scene, because that's what leaders need to do. They need to get really good at envisioning what that moment looks like, and that moment is in the future. And then what you want them to do is you want them to come back to today and walk around the organization with the excitement is on their face. I mean, they yeah. really captured that excitement of the standing in front of the waterfall or standing in front of this amazing customer experience that they have been able to create in every branch. And they can envision it. They can see it. Then they walk around as chief excitement officers. That's what we mean by it, is that you are so much energized by what the by what the future looks like, that you're walking around town, you're walking everywhere in the company, and you're telling people about this future vision, this future state of affairs for the business and where the business is going to go. And you're also, talk about humility, you're also telling them, I know it's not going to be easy. Yeah. And yeah. part of what I'm doing now is I'm trying to look at that chief excitement officer concept and build a robust framework around what are the moments in a leader in a leader's day, in a leader's month, in a leader's year, where these moments matter the most because he or she is standing in front of audiences and talking to them about what that future looks like. Because as much as he or she gets everybody energized, excited, and passionate, and really having so much desire to create that new customer experience, they will be a whole lot more willing to spend the time and energy and effort to actually help bring it to reality. And that's the whole idea of chief excitement officers is how can you speak within the organization, especially in a way that inspires them and gets them fired up. That's great. Um, I love that analogy too, because, you know, I, I, while you were telling the story, I was thinking back to, you know, when I was actually standing in front of a waterfall or, or even more fun is standing behind a waterfall. Yeah. <laughs> um, the very first time I went to Yosemite, just a little side note, I was in eighth grade and it was a, it was a trip that we took that uh, where we were handpicked by the two teachers. One was a math teacher and I, I think the other guy was a PE teacher. Where they handpicked thirty kids and they got to go to Yosemite. Oh my god! And goodness. one of the things we did was we walked up to—I don't remember the fall. Like, yes. <laughs> but but we actually one part of the trail was you walked behind the waterfall. Wow! And you got—I mean—you got pretty drenched, it but it wasn't like a yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. And 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 the other thing I was thinking while while I was hearing you talk 
And, and I think this is what you can do. Um, good leaders inspire people, not just for the future, but by by bringing people's past experiences to the forefront and getting them psyched up again. Yeah. Like, how how awesome did I feel? Yeah. When that happened, right? Um, and it's it. The, the thing I was thinking about a waterfall is, you know, you think about every little water molecule, right? They don't have a purpose. They go wherever the water goes, but the water goes somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of a metaphor for the company, right? There you go. Everybody's doing their thing. Mm -hmm. The water's all over the place, but it, it goes into a path. It, it cuts, goes, it cuts yeah. a path in the rock. I love that. That's a great metaphor, man. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And together, right, in, in one direction charting a new path and and they're all co-creating together that path. yeah exactly together yeah. even if they don't know it exactly right exactly and that's all. the trick right you, you they're, yeah. they're all different sorts of employees all different sorts and and there are leaders and there are you know worker bees and there are you know whatever but the trick is getting people to enjoy their work without knowing that it's work <laughs> it, it, Absolutely, because a big it's it's really shocking when you hear that five hundred billion dollars in the US is wasted because employees are not engaged enough. Yeah. And a big part to your point, a big part of engaging them is to talk to them not just about today, because today they can look around, they can see the company that they're in today. But if you can actually get them excited about the Yosemite of tomorrow. Yeah. Oh my God! They're gonna they're gonna show up and and you know talking about your friend that used to drink a ton of coffee, they won't need as much coffee. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. And they'll be healthier for it because they are so excited about. Oh my God! I love. I'd love to be here when we roll out this product. I'd love to be here when we roll out this new experience. I'd love to be part of it as well in helping make it happen. Phenomenal. Yeah. And that part of engaging employees. To your point, once you raise the level of engagement. First of all, you're going to reduce the five hundred the five hundred billion dollars that the American economy loses. Yep. It's just unbelievable to hear that can be recaptured. The level of disengagement because people are freaking bored. <laughs> you know, yeah. they are bored. Yeah. And the one thing that excites people, like I remember Tony Robbins talking about the idea that people want to feel progress. And progress is not going to be about running today's business. Progress is going to be more about the excitement of the delta between where yep. we are now yep. and where we can we, we we're going to be. So uh, really excited to be talking with you, and uh, uh, I think your audience is in for a treat, especially when Megan is here, and we can uh, we can have uh, this conversation in a bit more detail. Yeah. So so that, that's a good segue. We've been talking an hour, so. Let's just tell everybody, and, and I'll make sure I cut this into a clip. Um, we're going to do this again, and we're going to do it with Megan. And this is just a preview of what you're going to get. And Ash is going to be able to, like, really expand on all this stuff. And we've had two three-hour podcasts. If he's willing, <laughs> we're going to do it. And if you really like it, we're going to do it. I'd love to do it on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be weekly. It could be monthly or every three months or, you know, every quarter, every six months, whatever. But I'd like to do it because, well, on the one hand, got to be careful when I say this. Humankind doesn't really change. Like, 
selling somebody a widget is the same today as it was a thousand years ago. But business and the complexity and, and all the nuances and all that kind of stuff and technology, you know, the acceleration of technology um, makes people like Ash very valuable because he's not only seeing the changes, he's kind of being the changes, right? He's, he's, he's showing people the way. And I, I, yeah. since the first day I met Ash, <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew I wanted to hang around this guy because obviously he's well-spoken. He's, he's very knowledgeable, but you can see the passion in his face. You know that if you have him on your team or even if you have him as a friend, He's going to help you out. He's going to, he's going to make you better just by, be, you know, a lot of gurus say, you know, you are the product of your five, the, the five people you hang out the most with. <laughs> That's true. So you want to surround yourself with people like Ash, not people who like don't add value. Right. Thank you. Um, yeah. and, and, and the other weird thing, right. Is, you know, you've also heard, you don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. Right. Um, Surround yourself with people who are smarter than you, and that's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, and tapping to people. Yeah, no, this is a great invitation because we, this is really an invitation for all leaders. Whether you are someone who is an individual contributor, or a manager, or a director, or VP, wherever you might be, I think this episode with Bill and Megan is going to be for all leaders. And I actually argue you should lead from where you are. So I want you to see yourself as a leader and join us because we're going to make sure. This is an impactful episode. We'll share the seven habits of highly effective strategic leaders and the three-part framework for how you can make sure you free up time, you think up amazing ideas that will help change the dynamic of your business and your career and your life. And not only that, how do you actually articulate that message out to other people so they can support you on what it is that you want to do? So, Bill? And I want, I, yeah, I, I want to I also say that I don't think this is necessarily just for business. Um, I think you can use this in your life. Uh, I think, yes. you know, if you're a, you could be a, um, a freelancer, you could be uh, an employee, you can be uh, a CEO, you can be a homemaker. You, all of the things that we're going to talk about and that Ash has talked about thus far, I mean, if you if you take a step back, you can see how you can apply it to your own life. Like, if you have kids and you're, say, you're a, you know, a stay-at-home mom and you have kids, um, all of these things can be applied. You need to free up time because, as as a parent, you're like stretched, ultra thin, right? Um, you need to think of better ways to do things, or you know, when you become a parent. They don't give you a book. They don't give you a class. <laughs> Surprise. You learn it all on the fly. Surprise. Exactly. And you got to think about how do I deal with this? You know, you can't just always react. You got to be a little proactive sometimes. Well, all the time. <laughs> and then you got to speak up when there's a problem, right? So all this stuff applies. And you got to encourage your kids. Speak up. You know, you, you got to tell me what's going on. Because yeah. a lot of times you don't know a kid has a problem because they won't tell you yeah. or they don't tell you. And then you find out there's a problem. And then it's like, well, God, <laughs> wish I would have known that six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it applies to everything. Yes. I think. So I'd like to explore that a little bit too. Oh, I totally obviously, agree. that's a great point. Your, your main, you know, core 
business is business. And, and I think we can learn a lot from you on, on this, uh, on all these topics. So I did want to mention one more thing um, before we close. And so this is just a preview. We're going to make clips and, and cuts and whatnot, but we're going to have Ash back on. Hopefully in the, in the not too distant future, when Megan is a little less busy, um, she's going through a move right now, which is, you know, if you've ever moved in your life, 10 exit because she's moving a business. <laughs> um, we're going to pick some, basically, and maybe Ash, you should, you should uh, say this. It, it has to do with the book giveaway. Um, oh, yeah. Tell, so tell, tell the audience what you want to do. So we're excited about having you join us for this podcast session. Once you, sh you see this post and you repost it on LinkedIn, we will actually be sharing a copy of the meaning book for some people. And then for others, we will also be sharing the road to success book right here. And for those who repost, uh, we will give them a physical book. And if we do run out of the copies we have, we will at least make sure you get a digital copy that you could read on link uh, on uh, Kindle uh, or your iBook on your iPhone as well. So very awesome. excited. So you will make sure you, you are rewarded for helping us spread the word because as Bill was saying, the frameworks and the ideas that we are talking about, not only are, going, are they going to be helpful in your business, but also in your life as well. We cannot wait to see you joining us during our podcast conversation. Awesome. Thank you, Ash.